Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday night. It is July 23rd, 2021. Uh, happy to join you. Glad you're uh, on the other end of this uh, conversation, if you will. Um, the lunacy with the Biden administration on so many levels continues on, um, even apart from immigration. I just uh, was listening to the news and the disheartening report. Believe it or not, the Justice Department, the Biden Justice Department, will not be prosecuting or investigating the governors who screwed up royally because of the COVID epidemic. Think about that. There is a total lack of accountability, uh, and I just don't understand how this is possible. But then again, maybe we do understand this is possible. If you wonder why people tend to not believe the government or the news sources, so-called, this is a great example. And a while back, I made a point on several radio programs, and people said you're overreacting. And what I was reacting to were the people who were out there demonstrating uh, and saying, this was when Trump was elected, this was four years ago, not my president, not my president. By the way, it's remarkable that it was okay for the Democrats to challenge the outcome of the 2016 election, but anybody who would dare to challenge the results of the most recent presidential election um, is a seditionist, anarchist, uh, terrorist, God only knows. But what disturbed me by these people chanting, not my president, takes me back to a class in political science that I had many years ago at Brooklyn College, When the professor said that when a government loses legitimacy in the eyes of its citizens, revolution is the likely outcome. For people to be out there saying, not my president, means they were questioning the legitimacy of our government. And where are we now? This has been an orchestrated effort to undermine the legitimacy of the American government. I wrote an article based on a a Time magazine piece, by the way, a couple of weeks ago, how Iran and other countries, Russia, for example, Iran took the Russian playbook about hacking into computers to try to foment antagonism among Americans. This whole thing with, you know, Black Lives Matter and white supremacists and the Proud Boys and all this other business, they were out there stirring the pot in a clear effort um, to undermine our country, to have Americans go after each other. Abe Lincoln was right when he said a country divided against itself cannot stand. We have become divided against each other because of this fantasy of the 1619 Project initiated by the New York Times, this whole thing about white supremacists and critical race theory. What America needs is critical thinking theory. What America needs is critical empathy theory to understand that life is a tough proposition for everybody. 
Life is a tough proposition for everybody. One of the favorite bumper stickers I saw, there's two of them that I, that I really loved. One says, the more people I meet, the more I love my dog. I think you could all understand that. And we have an absolutely lovable puppy. We've had other dogs. They are so loyal. They don't challenge us. They just want us to show them love, and they reciprocate. What a wonderful, simple relationship. The other, the other bumper sticker said, be kind to the people you meet. You don't know the battles they're fighting. And, you know, I remember when I was diagnosed with prostate cancer 20 years ago, I was at the hospital. I was in one of those, you know, exam gowns. There was a black gentleman, I'm going to guess about my age, similarly concerned about his situation. We were about to be scanned by a machine after we took some contrasting dye to see if the cancer had spread. And I remember lying on that table. I was diagnosed with prostate cancer. <clears throat> and my concern was, if this damn thing has spread, what's my prognosis? I had lost my parents to cancer when I was in college within a year of each other. Lost my first wife to cancer, uh, goodness, over, well over 30 years ago. And I thought, here we go. And so you're lying on this machine, and the thought that went through my head is how many people who laid down on this machine got really bad news. I was petrified. And when I got up and we waited for the results, this black young, this black gentleman sat, laid down on this thing, and we hugged each other afterwards, and I wished him well, I, and he wished me well, and I could have cared less if his skin was yellow with green polka dots and, and, and blue stripes, and I'm sure he felt the same way. We're human beings. We're human beings. The superficial BS has got to stop, but it's being done to divide America. We all bleed red. We're all Americans. We're all human beings. And this notion that we're going to blame another group of people, not because of the actions of individuals, and people do need to be made accountable for their actions or perhaps lack of action, but you have white skin, you're irredeemable. The last time I heard garbage like that, or not, I didn't hear it, I wasn't alive at the time, but I heard about it from people who were, and they wound up in concentration camps because the Nazis did that to the Jews and other minorities. The world would be a great place if it wasn't for the Jews, if it wasn't for the gypsies, if it wasn't for whomever. Of course they don't want, they, the, these lunatics that are foisting this crap on us, don't want Americans to study history because they will see how this insanity has a precedent, a precedent in the Third Reich and the Nazi regime of the Second World War. If you really want to talk about people who are Antifa, anti-fascists, well, there, there was a great group of people who were anti-fascists. They were called the U.S. military and the military of our allies. Those young men and those young women died or came home grievously wounded or so traumatized that they were forever altered by their experiences, but they made those sacrifices to end fascism, to restore democracy, to restore freedom, to protect our nation. And when I hear this garbage being foisted on the American people, uh, it infuriates me and it worries me. I have children, I have grandchildren. It does not bode well for their future, for America's future, if we don't turn this nonsense around. We should be looking to find those things that make us most similar, not those things that make us different. Uh, it's crazy. And the cancel culture will ultimately come for everybody. 
Nobody will meet the increasing standards that will be set. This is a mad dash to chaos and anarchy. Nobody wins. Nobody wins. And we're now watching an administration, and you have to wonder, could they be more self-hating? Because it seems to me that we have a lot of self-hating Americans who've joined the ranks of the lunatic left. Um, America is not perfect. We have flaws. People have flaws. We all do. We're human. As my parents taught me, that's why we put erasers at the ends of pencils, because no matter how carefully you might try to write something, you're going to make mistakes. But America has looked to right those wrongs, to pass laws, civil rights laws, um, laws to change things, to, to end slavery, to end segregation, to end discrimination. It's not as though America said, well, we were founded on slaves and we're going to continue to have slaves. No, America led the charge around the world to bring an end, to bring an end to that atrocity of slavery. But you wouldn't know it to listen to this garbage and these kids that are out there who think they know what's going on are clueless. I remember watching a television program, and they were interviewing this young black woman, and they asked her about the American flag, and she said, oh, it's a terrible flag. America's a terrible country. My people built this country, I guess meaning the black people, or the American people. I don't even know what my people means. We're becoming tribal all over again. My people built this country, and that flag doesn't stand for me or my people. And then the interviewer said, and why is it that the people in Cuba are now running through the streets carrying American flags? And she just froze in her tracks. She said, gee whiz, that's really confusing. I'm not sure that I can explain it. That doesn't make any sense. What doesn't make any sense is this young lady has been lied to, God knows for how many years, in these propaganda factories that have become our schools. And again, I go back and say that we're not without blame, without fault. But my gosh, point to a country that's tried harder than America to get it right. You can wake up in America any day of the week and say, I have a dream that I want to pursue, and you go pursue it. Unless you're talking about robbing banks, perhaps. But if you have a dream of, of starting an industry or changing a career path, you have that freedom. Try that in China. Try that in North Korea. Try that in Cuba. See where that leads you. My mother used to say, you don't throw out the dirty water until you have clean water. They want to throw out what they think is dirty water. Where do they plan to get the clean water from? That's what I'd like to know. Anyway, just my thoughts on this Friday evening, Friday afternoon, as I sit here trying to look back at this last week. By the way, there was some good news. I have an article that will be out at Front Page Magazine, hopefully early next week because there has been a bit of sanity, and the sanity and the optimism comes from the fact that a federal judge has ruled that DACA has to be ended. And I'm not going to talk too much about it today. I will probably discuss DACA and its background next week, presuming that by next week my article will be on front page, at, at the front, uh, front Page Magazine website if I can get the words out. <clears throat> but this whole thing has been a scam. Most of what we hear about immigration and other issues have been scams and propaganda and downright lies and fabrications from both sides of the aisle. The nonsense that the immigrants have to come to America to do the work Americans won't do. So it started with mowing lawns and, and uh, uh, harvesting crops to being nannies to being computer programmers and scientists and doctors and engineers. Hell, Americans can't do crap. 
We're too dumb to do the high-tech work and too damn lazy to do anything that requires muscles. We're worthless. That's really the message, and it's been spewed by both parties. <clears throat> My dad was a construction worker. Construction workers are, are courageous. They're highly skilled. They may not uh, wear white collars and ties. They get dirty and filthy, and they get banged up, and it's hard, laborious work. It's more dangerous than law enforcement construction trades. But my gosh, the ability that those tradesmen have built the country, built the world. Without tradesmen, we'd all be sitting in a grassy field somewhere. If there wouldn't be houses, there wouldn't be electricity, there wouldn't be anything. <clears throat> tradesmen are the backbone. And yet we hear this garbage all the time. We need to import the foreign workers. No, we need to respect American workers, pay them a living wage, and, and honor them and their hard work that is so important for all of us. You know, I, I had some guys come in to put in a couple of new bathrooms in my house a number of years ago. And they came in, and it was like a well-greased machine. I'm embarrassed because my dad was a construction worker, and I have all thumbs. And these guys came in, carpenters and tile guys, electricians, uh, and they did such a job. It took about a week, and they took this mountain of supplies and turned it into two beautiful bathrooms. They're wonderful. They're, they're great. We're still enjoying them. If you gave me all those supplies and came back 10 years later, <clears throat> you'd see a mountain of supplies with, with a tarp covering it and me standing there scratching my head. Americans have done everything imaginable. We've led the world in technology achievement. And now you have politicians who can't find their way out of the stall in a bathroom insulting American hardworking uh, people. When does it end? It's both parties. They've taken the bribes from the Chamber of Commerce and the various labor unions who no longer represent the union workers. Some still do. But how many labor unions look to enroll illegal aliens so that they can swell their numbers so they get more union dues and the more members they have, the more political leverage they have. It's money and power. That's all they give a damn about, just like the politicians. It's the immigration lawyers who want comprehensive immigration reform, not because they want to make America a better country, but because they see in that flow of humanity a limitless supply of clients. And for the lawyers, it's all about billable hours, isn't it? We're getting hammered every which way. If we the people put our heads together and put our hearts together and sat down with one another and had meaningful conversations and ignore the things that we disagree about, we're not going to agree about everything. And I don't even give a damn if it's about abortion. And I know it's an emotional issue on both sides. But let's find common ground. Because united, we could throw the bums out, as they used to stay at Ebbets Field when I was a kid growing up with the New York Dodgers or the Brooklyn Dodgers, throw the bums out. I mean, look, we can do this, and we need to do it by discussing the issues, not personalities, the issues. It makes no sense to bring in more foreign workers than the number of new jobs we're creating, and we've been doing this for decades. And what's the result? <clears throat> Wages have dropped. Purchasing power has declined. The American middle class is on the ropes. And both parties have done this to us. Yes, the, the Democrats are demonstrably insane. But where have the Republicans been? They didn't want to fund Trump's border wall. They didn't want to see the immigration laws enforced because they wanted the cheap labor. Because for them, it was all about no taxes, no regulations, and cheap labor, so they have bigger profits. 
And for the Democrats, they want to crash the economy so that people have to go to the government because they can't put the lights on in their house without getting subsidized by the government as the economy goes down the drain. And the greedy Republicans can't see that this strategy of the Democrats is working, and if it succeeds, there will be only one party, and it won't be them. This is called blind greed, blind greed. They can't even act on behalf of their own best long-term interests because all they want to know is what are the earnings statements going to look like next week? The hell with what's going to happen next year. This is a very dangerous time. America's enemies are encouraged by Joe Biden. I was on a program earlier today, and we were talking about how Joe Biden goes out there and does these public town hall meetings, and his mind kind of wanders and so forth. I said, no, his mind doesn't wander. His mind leaves him and goes off on a hike without him. He's left standing there with no mind. And everyone sees it. And you have to wonder who's pulling that marionette strings. Because he's a puppet to some very dangerous people who I believe hate this country and do not want to see America succeed but fail. You know, when you're going to build a new building on property that's already occupied, the first thing you have to do is bring in the demolition crew to knock down the building that's there. These folks, I believe, want to destroy America because it's on the land that they want to control. So the first thing they have to do is demolish what's there. And they're doing one hell of a job. One hell of a job. And I wrote about this for a website that I'm very happy to write for. It's usinc.org, usincorporated.org. They used to publish the social contract. I've written numerous articles for the social contract. And and, and so uh, when when you look at uh, where we are, um, and, and what I did in this article, and, and the title of my article is, Will Biden's Immigration Policy Speed the Communization of the United States? Communization. <clears throat> I thought of that word. didn't even know if it existed, but as it, I thought if it doesn't exist, it should exist. And I looked it up, and lo and behold, there it was, communization, turning the government of a country into a communist regime. And my dad said to me many years ago when I was a kid, He said, Mike, if you want to turn a capitalist into a communist, take away his money. The rampant inflation that we're now witnessing may well ultimately destroy the purchasing power of Americans. You'll have a lot of money, but it'll be as worthless as the money of the Weimar regime in Germany, for those of you who studied uh, pre-Nazi Germany, where they needed wheelbarrows of money to go out and buy a loaf of bread or a container of milk. Some people actually use the Deutschmarks Um, for wallpaper because it wasn't worth any more than the paper that it was written on. So with rampant inflation, businesses being shut down because of COVID, a flood of illegal aliens entering the country who will do the the, the unskilled labor, and ever more high-tech visas to bring in high-tech workers to displace American engineers and programmers and scientists and doctors and so forth, What do Americans have left? Why is it that nobody ever asks these politicians, especially Biden or his crew, your policies? They're radical. So tell us, how is this good news for America or Americans? How is it good news that while you want to go door to door to make certain that every American is vaccinated, 
maybe coerce them into taking the vaccine. Um, you're letting in hundreds of thousands of aliens who likely were never vaccinated and may actually be carrying the COVID virus. So all this talk about we need to get a certain percentage of the population vaccinated so we get herd immunity, and at the same time, you're flooding the herd with more people who aren't vaccinated and maybe are ill. How is that in the best interest of Americans? How does it make sense? You promised high-paying jobs for Americans. How do you deliver on that when you're admitting more potential foreign workers than the number of new jobs that the economy is creating? How does it help the economy when you bring in foreign workers whose goal is to send money out of the economy to their family members back home so that we lose out on the multiplier effect? Because when Americans make money, they'll go out and make a purchase or an investment, and the money stays in the country, and it generates more commerce. It's called the multiplier effect. Most foreign workers come to America with a simple goal, and I don't blame them. What they're doing is rational and common sense to them, and it's to send money to their home countries. That money is lost to our economy. There is no multiplier effect. Where's the good news in all this? Where's the good news? And so I went through this whole list, and it's my contention that the administration policy, the immigration policy of this administration is to so sink the economy that Americans will almost always need to go to the government for handouts. And once you get Americans to require subsidies just to get by, the government owns us. The government owns us. The middle class is on the ropes. And I even quoted Alan Greenspan, and I've spoken about him frequently. I despise him. I despise this guy. He's very, very wealthy, and that doesn't bother me. What does bother me is he has the chutzpah to refer to high-tech American, highly skilled, highly educated workers as the privileged elite. I guarantee you they don't live as well as he does. And he said the solution to wage inequality is to make American highly educated, highly skilled workers compete with foreign workers because the money they're earning is unreasonable, and if we could get those Americans to compete with foreign workers, we could get rid of their wage premium, and then we greatly reduce inequality in wages between Americans with skills and those with lesser skills. So in other words, the Greenspan plan is kill the middle class so the working poor will have nobody to be envious of, because most Americans will become part of the working poor irrespective of how much education or how many skills they have. We keep hearing that these politicians want to modernize the immigration laws. Let me tell you what that means. It's code. It's code. There's a provision in the Immigration Act that says that foreign workers may not be employed in the United States if there are American workers who are ready, willing, and able to do the job in that general geographical location. Hire Americans first, basically. So how do you modernize the law? Get rid of that requirement so that Americans won't get first shot at the jobs. A foreign worker will have as much right to a job as an American may be more right. That's what they call modernizing the immigration laws, screwing the American worker. Think about that. I found it remarkable to watch Bezos, if you saw his launch, and, and it's amazing, the sycophants at the Washington Post, it was incredible, because that's who interviewed him, and for those of you who don't realize it, he owns the Washington Post, so these suck-ups were there comparing that flight, that suborbital flight, to what John Glenn did back in February of 1962. 
just like John Glenn. Well, John Glenn went into orbit. John Glenn was a test pilot. He was a fighter pilot. He had to take control of the spacecraft. The spacecraft that uh, Bezos and his gang flew in had no controls. It was controlled from the ground. He compared it to Alan Shepard's flight. As a kid, I got a letter from Alan Shepard. I, I still have it. I wouldn't trade it for any sports memorabilia. He even, as you say, Bezos he even had two of Alan Shepard's daughters there for the launch. They never showed them. I guess it was the, you know, the Bezos show, he and his brother. But what was remarkable to me is he was comparing the flight to Alan Shepard. Well, maybe, but again, Alan Shepard was a naval aviator and a test pilot. He took control of that spacecraft as it turned around and prepared to descend through the atmosphere. Bezos was just along for the ride. So I remember a flight that took place. Alan Shepard was launched on May 5, 1961. I remember I was sitting in a typing class. Yes, a typing class, and I wondered back then, because it was a different world, why do they have guys sitting in a class learning how to type? That's the kind of work women do. Again, this was back in the... 1961, different world, different era. Well, I'm so glad that I took typing because it's an immeasurable assistance to me now when I have to sit down at the computer and do my writing. I know how to touch type. But I remember sitting in that class with all my friends listening on the, the PA system, the public announcement system, or the public address system in my uh, junior high school, listening to the account of, of the launch of, uh, of Alan Shepard, May 5th, 1961. But in January of 1961, a monkey by the name of Ham went up in, a, in an earlier Mercury capsule. It went up and it came down. And Ham actually had to pull levers and push buttons and, to make sure that he could function while he was weightless. So you have a chimpanzee who had more work to do on the flight than Bezos. So if we're really going to compare what Bezos did, I'd compare him to a monkey um, who was strapped into a capsule, didn't ask to go there, but they sent him up nevertheless. And the name Ham seemed about right, listening to Bezos's proclamation, best day ever. Wow. Wow. And he actually thanked the workers of Amazon and the customers of Amazon for providing him with the money so he could do this. This is the same guy that took the health insurance away from his part-time workers, a guy who's probably worth more than some countries. But he thanked them. How nice. It's these super wealthy masters of the universe who are seeking to consolidate more power and more money and more wealth. And I don't get it. The average person is happy with a roof over their head, a refrigerator filled with food, not like Nancy Pelosi who needs a $26,000 freezer with $15 ice cream, beyond belief. They just want to be able to feed their kids, maybe go on vacation for a week every year, maybe buy a car, even if it's a used one, so they can get around. That's all they want. But these masters of the universe have to dominate the world, probably because they have other inadequacies, and we'll leave that to your speculation. But in this process... America is charging headlong into becoming a communist country. We need to put the brakes to it. And both parties bear responsibility. I believe that the Republicans don't want communism. They just want wealth, and they're so intent on getting their hands on as much money as possible, they don't seem to understand that if you kill the middle class, you kill the heart and soul of America, and you leave the door wide open 
to communism. Now, the Democrats, on the other hand, are the communists. Not all of them, but enough of them are, and they are in leadership positions. They are self-hating, self-loathing Americans. And that's where we are. And for them, I believe immigration is simply a tool to get America to where they want to be. And where do they want to be? They want an America that has no middle class. They want an America, poverty is universal, and the need to go to the government for everything is universal. And the money they will give you has many strings attached, and in the end it will fail. Because there's only two ways you can motivate people, carrot or stick. In a true capitalist system, the carrot is you work hard, you make more money. If you, buy, if you have more money, you can buy better things, a better car, a bigger house, go on a nicer vacation. So you're rewarded for your hard work and your ingenuity. Now, under communism, to each according to his needs, well, not quite, from each according to his ability, God only knows. But the control is, and, and, and the way they incentivize people isn't the carrot but the stick. Stalin killed tens of millions of his own people, sending them off to die in Siberia to eliminate the, 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 those who would compete with him or criticize him um, and, and make damn sure that he had an iron fist over them and that's how he controlled them, just like Cuba. Just like Cuba. And that's why I find it remarkable that Mayorkas, the head of DHS, has said any Cubans coming to America by water will be turned around. So people coming across the land border are being welcomed in, even if they're here illegally, even if they have the COVID virus, doesn't matter. And Mayorkas' family, part of his family, came to America from Cuba. He could care less. Because the Democrat Party, I believe, does not want Americans to be able to meet with Cubans who bear witness to the atrocities and the abysmal lives that they've been living in a communist state 90 miles off the U.S. shore, Cuba. That's where I believe we are. Because I think Bernie Sanders, who is delusional, you have to wonder about his childhood. He's the only major politician I know that doesn't want to talk about his childhood. I find that remarkable. Every politician wants to tell you about the paper route that they had or Ronald Reagan used to talk about what he did as a lifeguard and how many people he saved. And other people will talk about how they worked on an assembly line when they were in college or worked in a restaurant. Bernie Sanders doesn't want to talk about his childhood at all. Must have been an interesting childhood. God knows. Doesn't talk about his parents. Nothing. So you have these people who, you know, abuse children, become abusive parents or they become abusive politicians. And Bernie Sanders speaks glowingly of the health care system in Cuba. There is no health care system. What Cuba does do is export their doctors and medical professionals to other countries so they can profit from it. That is, they, the government. The doctors don't make the money. The nurses and the technicians don't make the money. And it's good PR for Cuba so they can spread their influence around the world while they basically act as human traffickers for their own medical professionals. By the way, speaking of human trafficking organizations, the Biden administration, to an extent, has turned to Border Patrol, the Border Patrol, the Border Patrol, I'm going to repeat it three times, into the final leg of human trafficking. 
instead of looking to apprehend and turn people around who are seeking illegal entry into the country, the Border Patrol is now taking those people that are here illegally and moving them on airplanes, apparently at military bases or on buses or trains, dispersing them around the United States. The transportation of illegal aliens under 8 U.S.C. 1324, you could look it up, it's the smuggling section, trafficking, the transportation of illegal aliens and so forth, are felonies under that section of law, along with aiding, abetting, encouraging, inducing, harboring, and shielding illegal aliens to enter illegally or remain here illegally thereafter. So now the Border Patrol is in a hapless situation where they've been told, take these people out and let them travel around the country. They're working as an adjunct to the human trafficking organizations. Just let the enormity of that sink in. It blows my mind. It blows my mind. And if Biden gets his way and legalizes God knows how many tens of millions of illegal aliens, they could then bring in their children. We could see a human tsunami of over 100 million kids, 100 million. Let that number sink in. And I saw a response to one of my articles at Front Page Magazine, and the person said, oh, this guy Cutler's full of you-know-what. There aren't 100 million kids in Central America. Well, I don't know what the census is in Central America, but it's not just aliens from Central America. They're from all over the world, from Africa, from Asia, from the Caribbean. You name it, they're coming in through the Mexican border. Now, what no one's talking about is perhaps they're coming through the Canadian border. Perhaps they're coming on ships and they're, they're pulling up to the coastline away from ports of entry because that coastline is a 95,000-mile border. And I'd love to know at ports of entry, like international airports, how many aliens are being turned around by the inspectors at the ports of entry. I know. I did that job for four years. I'm very familiar with it. Just because an alien has a visa does not mean that that alien is going to be admitted into the United States. If you remember when Donald Trump ordered that those aliens from six or seven countries that the media improperly identified as Muslim-majority countries, intimating that they were being turned around because of their religion. Now, that wasn't the case. It was because they could not be screened because those countries were either failed states or had animosity towards the United States and were associated with international terrorism, countries like Iran uh, and, and, and so forth. So he said, if we can't screen you, we're not letting you in. Immediately, the headlines blared, Trump denies entry the aliens from Muslim-majority countries. And when the order came out, there were about 200 aliens en route to the United States, 200. And they were denied entry. And the rental mobs came out. And, oh, my God, these people had visas, and Trump had no right to do this. It's unconstitutional. What's unconstitutional? They always throw that in. Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution says that the states ought to be guaranteed a Republican form of government and protection against invasion and domestic violence. I would argue this is a clear case of an invasion, probably the biggest invasion in the history of the United States, if not the world. If not the world, of all time. It's believed that well over a million since Biden came to office have come through the Mexican border. And while the Texas governor and other governors are sending law enforcement to the border, at the end of the day, it's going to be up to the Biden administration to decide what to do with the aliens. And you know what they're doing with them? They're sending them around the country. This is all an exercise in futility. But we also know that there are aliens coming in through international airports, and I'd like to know how many are being turned around. 
I believe, if my numbers are correct, that the last year of the Obama administration, over 105,000 105, aliens were denied entry at ports of entry because they were determined by the inspectors at ports of entry to be inadmissible because they belong to one or more classes of aliens who are not to be admitted. It has nothing to do with race or religion or ethnicity. Go to Title VIII, United States Code Section 1182, get out a crayon, write it down, or read my articles because I frequently include a link to that section of law, Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182, 1182. It starts out with aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, aliens who are mentally ill, aliens who are criminals and terrorists and spies and human traffickers and drug smugglers and Nazi fugitives. Uh, and then we get to aliens who are previously deported or aliens who, if they work, uh, would displace Americans and drive down wages or aliens who have become a public charge. That's what's there. This isn't about race or religion. It's about foreign nationals who pose a threat to public health, public safety, national security, uh, or the jobs and wages of American workers. That's what it's about. <clears throat> so for one reason or another, at least 105,000 aliens were determined to be inadmissible during the Biden administration. Those numbers, of course, went up, as you might imagine, under the Trump administration. I'd like to know what's happening now at ports of entry in terms of how aliens are being scrutinized by Customs and Border Protection inspectors? I'd love to know. I'd love to know how many aliens are being denied visas at our consulates and embassies. I bet those numbers of declined visa applications has dropped drastically because the Biden administration wants to flood America with as many foreign nationals as possible. The goal is to double or triple our population. I believe that's the ultimate goal. That's why he wants comprehensive reform. Now, I want you to just think about something. Everyone keeps saying the immigration system is broken. Nineteen hijackers gamed the immigration system and carried out the attacks on 9-11. Nineteen hijackers killed more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941. Think of that as we approach this year's 20th uh, anniversary of the commemoration of that drastic loss of life and the atrocities committed against America and Americans. So now ask yourself, do you think it makes sense that a broken immigration system should be tasked with adjudicating tens of millions of applications of aliens who may include terrorists and criminals and fugitives and, and so forth? Put that in perspective. Now, if you think I'm crazy and bad guys aren't coming here, let's look at this article that I wrote for Front Page Magazine back on July 19th. I, I have a link to it, by the way, up on the website for Blog Talk Radio. Just click on it. It'll take you right to my article. And the title of the article is Alleged Iranian Kidnap Plot Targeted Iranian-American Dissidents in Brooklyn. <clears throat> and the subtitle, Connecting the Immigration Dots that Biden Ignores. We have a woman in Brooklyn who came from Iran, became an American citizen, has been an outspoken critic of the regime of Iran, talking about the atrocities committed by the Iranian government, the way that women are being forced against their will to be treated terribly, forced to wear um, the garb that perhaps they don't want to wear, and she goes on and on and on about the human rights violations and everything else that Iran has done. So Iran put together a plan, and they've done this to other people, by the way. If you read my article, it's all there. 
So Iran puts together a plan to kidnap this woman who lives in Brooklyn, according to the reports. She might not be here anymore. I'm going to suspect that they've moved her. But she lives in Brooklyn near the water. The plan was to kidnap her, put her on a speedboat. There were four Iranian intelligence officers acting outside the United States to accomplish this by hiring private detective agencies. Sounds like a, a James Bond plot. They were going to put her in a boat, take that boat to Venezuela, and from Venezuela put her on an airplane, fly her to Tehran or God knows where in Iran, and either imprison or execute her. And others of, of similar nature have been imprisoned. At least one has been killed. And the kicker that nobody in the mainstream media wanted to talk about is that there is also a woman in California, an Iranian, who was in the United States putting together well over $100,000 to finance what they hoped would be the successful abduction of this woman. Well, the obvious question, or maybe not so obvious question, is how did that Iranian woman manage to enter the United States? She's here. She's been arrested, charged with financial crimes, which makes sense because she wasn't going to grab this woman. She was just there putting the money together so they could pay for the services they needed to accomplish this terrible, nefarious goal. I would argue she's a terrorist or an enemy combatant. So think about that. She's an enemy combatant working in cahoots with Iranian intelligence to kidnap an American citizen so she could be sent back to Iran to silence her. She's here. How many more people are here right now like her? I doubt she's the only one. I'd love to know how she came here, but there's no news about that. All they say is she was Iranian, then she was arrested in California. Did she run the border? Did she stow away on a ship? Did she come in with a visa? Was she, I believe she may have been in Canada previously, so how did she move between Canada and the United States? Now, the questions that I'm raising, guess what they all fall under? Immigration. So we come back again to this very clear nexus between national security, public safety, the threat of terrorism, and immigration, and border security. And by the way, the idea that they were going to put this woman on a boat in Brooklyn and, and, and send her off in a speedboat to Venezuela makes a clear point about the fact that our coastline is an international border, you see. So this is really an immigration story, but it was never reported that way. It was never reported that way. Not an immigration story, oh, no. Anything but immigration. I remember when I testified to Sheila Jackson Lee back in March of 2002. Those of you may remember that two of the dead terrorists from the 9-11 attacks, Muhammad Atta, the ringleader, and Marwan al-Shehi. Interestingly enough, both of those men were in the cockpits of the planes that struck the two towers at the World Trade Center. So um, Sheila Jackson Lee and Jim Sensenbrenner, the then Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, invited me to testify at that hearing. You can go to C-SPAN as part of their permanent library. They're trying to sort out how this all happened. And one of the things that Sheila said, Sheila Jackson Lee said at the hearing, is immigration has nothing to do with terrorism, and terrorism has nothing to do with immigration. And, and I mean, just let that statement sink in. I was happy to work with Sheila, and in fact, I did another hearing for her on alien smuggling, and I convinced her 
to not look at the Mexican border, but for a change, look at visa fraud. Very important issue. Again, something the 9-11 Commission focused on. And you know I provided testimony to the Commission as well. And so she said immigration has nothing to do with terrorism. We'll just stop and let's think about this, folks. If, let's say, there was a terrible crime committed in the house down the block from you, beautiful house, people hear strange noises, they call the police, the police come, and they find five dead bodies strewn on the floor. They were all shot or stabbed or both. Blood is everywhere. What's the first question that the police are going to ask as they're putting up the crime scene tape? How did the killer or killers gain entrance into this house? Presuming it wasn't a murder-suicide, right? Apparently, somebody or bodies entered the house and carried off the crime. Maybe they, they robbed a whole bunch of stuff also, so maybe they weren't expecting the people to be home, and when they found that the people were home, they killed them. So the first question is, how did they get in? Might they have had a key? If they had a key, maybe they knew the homeowner, you see? So the first thing that crime scene investigators are going to look at is how did the people who came into the house gain entry? Were they welcomed in? Did they knock on the door? And maybe there was a big fight, and, and, and somehow the fight turned bloody and violent and murderous. Were they burglars? Did they have a key? Was it an inside job? These are all the sorts of questions that when you do it on a national scale, you're talking about immigration. How did they gain entry into the United States to carry out the attack? How did the thugs gain entry into the house to carry out the murders? So how can you say to me that terrorism has nothing to do with immigration when the 9-11 Commission made it perfectly clear that border security is a critical issue to protect America against terrorism? The politicians make these delusional, misleading, and crazy statements, and people go around and say, gee, I guess it makes sense. You know, We don't need to secure the spaces between the ports of entry because last year they seized, you know, however many tons of drugs at ports of entry. Well, stop and think about that one. Well, wait a minute. They grab drugs at ports of entry so we don't have to worry about what goes on between ports of entry? Are you serious? See, there's so many ways of carrying out these crimes. I remember I wrote a piece a while back where I said that uh, when you think about the ride of Paul Revere, all he needed were three lanterns, you know. One if by land, two if by sea, right? Hang it in the old north church, so we'll know which way they're coming. There's so many ways for bad guys to gain access to the United States today that if we use lanterns, they'd run out of lanterns at the local Home Depot or Lowe's, and if you tried to light them at the same time, you'd probably set the old north church on fire. There's no shortage of ways of coming here. And at the end of the day, the way they come here is a matter of immigration. Again. But the problem is that immigration is a cash cow for the wealthy. The immigration system has become a delivery system. It delivers an unlimited supply of cheap, exploitable labor on all levels. The illegals who do the dirty, back-raking, unskilled work, and then you've got the semi-skilled, and you've got the highly skilled, and you have the visas and so forth. The immigration system delivers an unlimited supply of foreign tourists and foreign students. And the real kicker, and the limited supply of clients for immigration law firms. So the last thing they want the American people to do is say, gee whiz, maybe we should tighten up on immigration. Now what will all those lawyers do? 
Bob Goodlatte, who was the Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, is an immigration lawyer. Zoe Lofgren, who chairs the House Immigration Subcommittee right now, Democrat, immigration lawyer, important figure at the American Immigration Lawyers Association, in fact. They're feathering their own nest at the expense of American lives and American jobs, and they could care less because they're lawyers. What can I say? Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And this is where we are. Joe Biden has lots of fans in the legal profession, in corporate America. The banks are thrilled. The banks love drug trafficking. They get to move the money and they get a piece of the action. Banks are like moving organizations, moving companies. If you were going to move from New York to Florida, <clears throat> you call up a moving company. They just want to know what the address is. Are there um, elevators? Do you have a piano? How many pieces of furniture? They don't care if it's French provincial or Scandinavian or colonial. How many pieces? They may want to know if you have a piano. Is there an elevator? Is there a sectional couch? And how many miles? That's simple. Banks don't care if the money they're moving was because of a drug deal, a woman first to, forced to work in, in, in a brothel, or, or a surgeon who came to America to save the life of a child because he has a unique skill as a surgeon. They don't care. We're going to move the money. We get our piece of the action. So everyone's literally and figuratively making out like bandits. America's survival is in jeopardy, and I mean that sincerely. The middle class is being battered and whipsawed and destroyed and pummeled. But that's okay. Because as you flood America with more people, you have more people who need housing. The cost of housing goes up. If the cost of housing goes up, the real estate brokers make more money. And the banks make more money because you need a bigger mortgage to pay for the house. So the banks are making more money as our borders collapse. Everyone's making out like a bandit except for the Americans who are losing their jobs or losing their lives or their loved ones because we refuse to secure our borders against illegal entry. So again, I'm compelled to ask the question, <clears throat> where is the good news for the average American in all of this? I'm an American. Why should I be happy that MS-13 is sending their people here. The cartels are sending their people here. Iran is sending their sleeper agents here. China is sending their students here. <clears throat> their students are learning how to be engineers and programmers so they can more effectively attack the United States. China's Navy is now on par with America. They're looking to surpass us, and they will soon. And then what happens? And then what happens? We're in a very bad state, and the news media is complicit. The Biden administration is off the rails, and where in the world are the Republicans? Placating the people who sent them the campaign contributions? Lincoln said that America was supposed to be a country of the people, by the people, and for the people. I want to know what people he was talking about. Because the American people are being hammered every which way by the duplicitous conduct of what is supposed to be America's political leaders. Leaders who forgot who they work for. Leaders who forgot what their oaths of office require of them. Perhaps they forgot why they went to Washington or the state capitol or city hall in the first place. 
I'd like to believe that at least initially they started out saying, I want to do something good for my country or my state or my city. They've lost their way. Their GPS is broken, and we the people are paying the price. And our children and children's children will pay an even steeper price if we don't start to get these people accountable and throw them out of office and make it clear that we're not the blithering idiots that they thought we were. We have to grow a spine and stand up to them and say, no, I'm not going to accept this garbage. I'm not going to accept this garbage. This notion we're a nation of immigrants, yes, we are, but we're not a nation of trespassers. And think of how this ruins the reputation of lawful immigrants who go through the process, they follow the law, they follow the regulations, and for what purpose? For what purpose? And the most likely victims of the crimes committed by transnational organizations are the members of the ethnic immigrant communities. And it's not just from Latin America, because human nature is human nature. I've arrested criminal aliens from all over the world, from Japan and Israel and England and Canada, Jamaica, China. There's no limit. Just people are people. I don't care about skin color. Every race, every religion, every ethnicity, every nationality has the good, the bad, and the ugly. What in the world is wrong with keeping out the bad? You would think that that would be common sense. And then you listen to this nonsense about defund police, and it's these unlicensed guns that are killing people. Yes, the unlicensed guns are running down the street. I don't know. I, I've seen a few of these guns, and they run pretty quick. <clears throat> so the guns are running down the street shooting at people. Is that what's happening? Of course not. Criminals get their hands on the guns, and they're using the guns to commit murder. And criminal aliens are being turned loose. Why? When they could be deported. We worry about recidivism. We euphemistically refer to prisons as correctional facilities. Not much correction going on. And you could remove people who commit crimes in America so they no longer pose a threat to our safety, but that would be too easy. Apparently, the Democrats want mayhem and chaos on the street so they could tell people who to blame for it and stir the pot some more, and if some people die in the process, well, it's collateral damage. It's the cost of doing business. I remember I was testifying at a hearing, and there was a recess so the members of Congress could go vote. It was a hearing about border security, and there was this one witness who was involved with an organization that was affiliated with the Chamber of Commerce. He said, Mr. Culler, you've got to stop all this nonsense about border security. I said, are you kidding me? Our borders are our first and last line of defense against criminals against aliens with dangerous diseases, against terrorists. He goes, yeah, you know what that border is? It's an impediment to my wealth. And people are going to die anyway. People are going to die anyway. The border is an impediment to his wealth. And if people have to die, what the hey? No one lives forever, right? This is where we are today. And we, the people, bear some responsibility because we've not been involved. (coughs) And we've been buying into the lies of the media. We need to sit down with our neighbors and say, look, this is what's involved. I don't care if you voted for Trump, like Trump, don't like Trump. This is much bigger than Donald Trump. It's much bigger than the political parties. This is about our country. This is about the future of America and the future of freedom throughout the world. And if you have children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews, Well, you're just a moral person who's concerned about the future of our species. 
we stand at crossroads today. We stand at crossroads. And it's really important to understand the issues. And it's really important to make the politicians understand that we are on to them. Please have those conversations with your neighbors. Perhaps you're going to go to a barbecue this weekend or a picnic or just sit down over, I don't know, a cup of coffee. Have the discussions. And what I would suggest you do is provide the links to my blog talk radio show or the links to my articles to as many friends as you can. I call it my bucket brigade of truth. Because if you know my articles, you know that I always base it on fact, not speculation. If I talk about a section of law, I'll provide the link to that section of law. It's an educational process. Knowledge is power. In fact, are, as John Adams said, stubborn things. So the whole purpose of my program, the whole purpose of my writings is to provide you with the education, with the knowledge, with the information that you need Because if there's one issue that all Americans should be able to agree on, it's immigration. If, if, and this is a big if, the facts were known. Not the fantasies, not this obfuscating language. Migrants showed up at the border. They're not migrants, they're aliens, for God's sakes. And incidentally, it's interesting that the DREAM Act is an acronym for Development, Relief, and Education of alien minors. So now that we can link it to the American dream, the word alien becomes palatable. It's Orwellian. It's Orwellian. The term alien simply means any person, not a citizen or national of the United States. There's no insult there. There is clarity. And if you're a con artist, the last thing you want is clarity. Con artists know how to swindle people by making arguments that make no sense, but somehow sound reasonable especially to keep repeating the lie over and over again, which is exactly what Hitler called for in his book, Mein Kampf, and what Goebbels, um, his uh, you know, minister of propaganda, if you will, um, insisted on. Just keep telling the big lie, and then attribute that to your enemies. This is where we are. The media gives us the big lie. You could call it the Ministry of Truth right out of 1984. And in fact, if you have some time, get a copy of 1984 and read it. You'll be amazed at how much you're going to see the strategies today that Orwell warned about way back when he wrote 1984. Again, I I want to thank all of you for tuning in, listening to my program. I really do hope that it has been helpful to you. Uh, But this is really about providing the information that you're not going to get from the mainstream media, and that's what this program is about. So please talk to your friends and neighbors, provide the information that I've provided to you, and remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll see you next week right here on the Michael Cutler Hour. So long for now.